Kentucky is rich with musical talent, and Grayson Jenkins is another artist you can add to that list. He's a little bit country. Come on Be dragging the floor. A little bit rock. But I hear, hear it all the time. music scene in Central Kentucky for several years now. He has two albums under his belt. And when it comes to music and his lyrics, he says he's inspired by Mark Twain, who once said, you should write what you know. His songs are about love, life, drinking, and the bluegrass. From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpott. I want to welcome our guest this week, Grayson Jenkins. Grayson, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So people may know you. You have been on the music scene in and around Lexington for how many years now? Uh, I think probably getting close to six years. Yeah. 2013, um, started out uh, my senior year of college and kind of stuck with it from there. I've known you about, I think, that long. Yeah. And so a lot of folks may have seen you. Henry Clay's was a place that you kind of got your start, right? Downtown. Yep. You've got a band, The Resolutions. Folks, he is a Western Kentucky boy that is is making it big. And I think what I love about you, Grayson, is you went to college. You got your degree at UK. You started out in the work world, um, but you knew music was your passion. And so you said... I'm going to give up my full-time job and pursue music, which is very scary, I would imagine. Yeah, it was it was a big decision and kind of a terrifying one, and um, still think about it often, you know, when you give up something that large of a piece of your life, um, but definitely happy with the decision I made, and, and happy the way it happened, too. I think at times I would kind of resent the fact that I had a job and didn't go straight into music, but um, I think all those experiences kind of helped, and it definitely helped with certain aspects of the music industry. I think I read where you got your first guitar when maybe you were like 14, mm -hmm. but then you just kind of didn't fall in love with it right away, it sounds like, and you kind of put it down for a, for a time, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I don't come from a musical family um, per se. Nobody in my immediate family plays any instruments or anything, um, but I always loved music, and then my mom bought me a guitar when I was 14. Um, and I learned a few chords, but uh, yeah, whenever I got busy with sports and, and school and FFA and those types of things in high school, I just didn't make the time for it and, until I got into college. So are you self-taught on the guitar? Did you have lessons? I used to say yes, self-taught, but I have so many friends along the way that would show me things that would just take it up kind of a notch. So yes and no, I didn't take formal lessons, um, but just friends and, and playing with other people, I think I've had a lot of lessons. It's so interesting because watching you play knowing the songs that you have written and put on your albums, there is such a passion there, but it doesn't sound like, you know, most people like you will say, oh, I started in church or I've been singing my whole life, but that's not the case with you. Yeah, I kind of feel like a latecomer, um, and especially when I see some of the younger folks, like much younger than me, that have, you know, they've been playing several more years than I have. Um, so I'm trying to play catch up a little bit musically, but uh, I love to tell stories, and so songwriting is by far my favorite part of it. And then as I'm progressively trying to get better at that, also the music too, and I think they kind of coincide with each other. When did you first know this is it, this is what I want to do? Um, I would say the first few gigs down at Henry Clay's whenever people started singing some of my songs back mm -hmm. to me, that was when the bug really bites you, I think. It's it's one thing to, to cover songs and get that feeling and that energy, but when somebody's singing words that you wrote and a song that you wrote 
back to you. That just kind of grabs you. Um, but then I think for a while I kind of suppressed that and thought, okay, it's not practical. I'm kind of type A, so I like for things to make sense, and music doesn't make any sense, or the, the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a while to kind of give in to that and just let it happen. Were there people that sort of kind of inspired you along the way? I know Sunday Best was kind of a group that you saw, or a duo rather, that, um, okay, they're playing in and around the bars in Lexington, and they've made it. Is that somebody that kind of was there for you? For sure. They, they I always say they were the first people, like you said, that, that I saw make it. Because it used to be, especially growing up in Western Kentucky, there wasn't a lot of music going on. It was always seeing people on TV or on the Internet or you know, it seemed unattainable, I guess. And so seeing them at Redmond's, you know, I would go down there and there was no cover and there were 20 people. And then when they finished, it was a $25 cover and mm-hmm. a line around the block. So it was just really cool to watch that growth and, and people singing their own songs and people buying into that. And so that definitely jump-started kind of my own career in, in uh, songwriting. You grew up in western Kentucky, right? Muhlenberg mm-hmm. County. What was life like for you back then? It sounds like farming, sports. Yeah, it was a pretty... Uh, pretty nice way to come up looking back it was uh, I would say a little bit sheltered just because it was a small town Um, but I think it was it was a good way to to kind of learn who I was and and what I liked Um, grew up on a goat farm and had horses and chickens and all kinds of stuff so I spent most of my time outside um, did FFA and 4-H and public speaking and um, track and field and tennis and tried to stay involved as as I could and and about whatever I could find Um, I've always been one that liked to try new things, even if that meant the swim team my senior year, and I was horrible, absolutely <laughs> horrible at that. Um, but always liked try, to try new things, and then, uh, yeah, left uh, left Muhlenberg in about 2009, I guess. And then you came to the University of Kentucky, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, started there in 2009 and finished up in 2013 and did a lot of the same things. I was super involved on campus mm-hmm. um, in student uh, government, student organizations, um, and then studied ag econ and, and community and leadership development while I was there. Talk to me about that first time that you thought, okay, I've got this guitar and I'm going to actually get up the guts enough to go step on stage. So actually that kind of stems from um, Tommy Harrison, who was my 4-H agent in Muhlenberg. I interned with him as his intern um, between my junior and senior year of college. We chaperoned a bunch of students to Nashville, and we took them to Tootsie's, <laughs> some of the students. Um, it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so it was definitely not a rowdy Yeah, you crowd. might not want to take them any, any time other than 2 o'clock. No, um, but I thought that was awesome, and uh, I'd been playing a little bit, guita- little bit of guitar and had written, um, I think, one song at the time. But uh, Tommy, um, he encouraged me, or encouraged the bar manager to let me get up on stage and play a song. I don't think I've ever been so nervous in my entire life, but I played a couple songs on stage at Tootsie's that day, and uh, that was just a, a crazy experience and just something I thought about for the next two months. Um, and my first gig was at the Jessamine County Public Library. I'd been uh, perusing Craigslist looking for gigs, and uh, so I think they gave me about 25 bucks or something, and I played on a Sunday afternoon and my sister went with me, and we went and got Cracker Barrel afterwards. And I'll never How many people it. were at that first one at the library? It was a decent crowd, honestly. I mean, there were about 50 people, but uh, mostly older folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have a clue, really, what was going on. I was just, that was the first time I think I'd plugged my guitar in. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know anything about sound or any of that stuff. But it was, you got to get some of those under your belt mm-hmm. to learn. Um, I feel like uh, baptiz- baptism by fire is 
It's always good so, when you make enough money that you can go eat on it later. You yes. know, that's always key. Well, my sister thing. bought me lunch. I, if she hears this, I want to make sure she, I do remember she bought me lunch. That's good. But that's key. Yeah, if you can cover the costs and some food and gas, you're, you're doing good. Grayson, if people have never heard you, how would you describe, you think, your sound um, and what kind of music you play? We've started as a band kind of saying country folk rock because mm-hmm. we like to do a lot of different stuff. Uh, I have a a deep appreciation and probably my most appreciation for any type of music is old country, Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson and a lot of those songwriters, just true, honest, three chords and the truth type of thing. But also have a big interest in some of the indie um, and indie folk music like uh, the Lumineers and some of the more modern bands that I listen to a lot. Um, so I'd say it's kind of a fusion of, of those types of things and um, it varies a lot depending if I'm playing acoustic, solo, um, or if I'm playing with the band, obviously that's more of probably a country rock type of feel. I know early on, you know, you were doing a bunch of different covers and that kind of thing, and then you're you're writing more. I remember that time when, I know because I was one of the ones that would ask for some of those covers, and you didn't want to do those anymore. And I yeah. always feel like that's a pivotal point in your career when you can say, I don't have to do those anymore, and it's just your stuff. Yeah, and it's still, some of the places I play, it, it, it's hard to balance, and um I have some experience under my belt, and so I can know how to kind of work a crowd a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. And um, yeah, it is a, it's a weird point, and, and most people who do original music don't start out playing covers. Um, so it was kind of tough to, to shift that. I feel like there was probably a year or two where it, it felt kind of testy because um, I'd been doing something totally different than, than what I was doing. Um, but now it's definitely original heavy um, in the set list, which makes me feel good. But I'll still play some Johnny Cash and, and all that good stuff um, if I'm playing certain type of places. Talk to me about your inspiration for writing and for your music because you 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 know you love to tell a good story and if you listen to your songs, there's always a really good story in there. So where do you find some of that inspiration to sit down and, and pen those songs? I think um, starting out and and still to this day, it's inspired by my experiences. Uh, I think that's really at the end of the day, all I can do is just kind of um, put out what I've been experiencing um, in a song. And so a lot of the songwriters I look up to, I've, I've kind of listened to interviews and podcasts with them and, and try to figure out what they're doing that kind of helps their writing. Um, and so a lot of them are big on experiences. You know, It's hard to just work, wake up every day and say, I'm going to write a really good song if you don't go um, travel and meet new people and try new things and fail. Um, you know, A lot of good songs come out of heartbreak or or something of that nature. So try to just experience life and then um, try to write as much as I can. That way, when I do get inspiration for a song, I have kind of the songwriting muscles to be able to do it. For you, the words come first or do you hear the the tune of the song? Or is it every song is different? Everyone's different. I think as I've gotten better at guitar, I've been able to, um, if I'm sitting around on the couch just picking around on something, find a melody on the guitar and then kind of freestyle almost until I come up with something that I like. Um, but I would say in the past, it's it's definitely been lyrically heavy on the in what I start out with and most of the time just singing in the car, I think is how I wrote the first few songs. What have been some cool moments for you on stage just, you know, singing? I mean, I know you said when, when people are, you know, when you realize that they're singing your song back to you, I know that's special, but what are some other others that are pretty cool? Um, our album release in 2017 for the last album I put out, Cityscapes and Countrysides, that was Derby Day um, 2017, and there were about 300 people at the Burl in Lexington. 
there to hear um, songs that I'd written. And so just as far as a night and being on stage, that was where one of the nights I felt most comfortable and proud of, of what I'd worked for. Um, but it, it's really random. Sometimes it'll be playing a dive bar to five people. Um, I played a songwriter night in Somerset last week to 20 people, and you could hear a pin drop in, in the room. And so that was just as cool to me as um, opening up for Sunday Best at 4th Street Live for 2,000 people. Mm. Um, I love those differences. And if I had my way, I think throughout my career would be able to do both types of settings. The Burl, actually, I just had Jomo um, Thompson yeah. on, and Jomo gave you a shout out on his podcast Thanks, um, uh, episode. And we were talking about that. We were talking about places for, for people to come and listen to, to live music, and the Burl is such a cool spot. And yeah. I was there for that 2017, and that was really cool as someone that is a friend of yours and that whole group of us being able to watch you do that. But there's also something cool about being in the Burl. I don't know, it's just a great music venue. It is. It's a. Uh, it's a special place and it was much needed. Um, it's helped out the scene so much just with giving. I know most musicians in town, if they're off, they're gonna be at the Burl hanging out. Um, and so I think that speaks volumes about what they're doing, that it's a place that musicians wanna hang out. Um, national musicians want to play there. I've seen several people post that, you know, they wanna come back and they do come back to the Burl because they treat them well, it's a good space. Um, and it's pretty versatile too. You can have a rock show in there, you can have a singer-songwriter night. Um, so it's been nothing but great for the Lexington scene. Kentucky is known for its music. I mean, we could go on and on about the amazing folks who have come out of eastern Kentucky and other parts of the state. Um, but I also think there's something about that local music scene. And, and you've grown up in it and cut your teeth on it. I mean, it really is. There are a lot of people out there kind of just trying to make it, but they love it and that's what they want to do, right? Yeah, I think. I can't speak too much about the music scenes in the past. I feel like there have been several good ones that they kind of ebb and flow mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but it, it seems like there are a ton of people doing it full time now that when I started weren't doing it. It just seems like so many people, there are so many places that have music, people writing their own music, putting out music, um, and they're able to support themselves on that. And, and I think that only helps the content too because when people are able to devote their lives to their music, uh, the music quality I think is gonna go up. You've got two albums under your belt now. Talk to me about the process of, of getting that done and getting that out to the people. It's, uh, the two albums I have out are some of the things I'm most proud of that I've ever done because it takes a lot of money that you mm -hmm. have to work for. And, and then just the process as a whole incorporates a lot of different things from the budgeting to the scheduling, the music obviously, artwork. It just takes a lot to get those out. Um, so it's usually the, the two I've done, I feel like I've learned a lot, and I'll, I'll do the next one based off those experiences. But I feel like I learn something every time. Um, and so hopefully by the time I'm 60, I can make the best album I've ever made. Um, so I think that's the goal, is just trying to get better with each one. And um, constantly fighting, too, it's a little bit vulnerable to put that music out there. So I think that's something I've had to kind of let go of some of that control, and when something's done, just put it out. Boy, that's not easy for an A-type. No, it's not a bit. Um, yeah, you want to have control over everything, mm -hmm. and, and if you change your mind later, would like to be able to change something, but it's kind of like putting your hand in concrete or cement, you know, it's going to be there. Um, so you have to be willing to, to turn that over to people. Let's face it, you, you're not on a major record label. You're doing no. this all on your own dime. But in this world of the digital age and some things that are out there, do, do you find that it's easier for a guy like you to put out his music? Oh, for sure. It's... Uh, 
I think it costs about 50 bucks to keep an album on iTunes and Spotify wow. and everything for a year. Now you don't get a ton of return on mm -hmm. that, but to be able to reach that many people is incredible. Um, on that same note, it's made it a little more competitive because a lot of people can do it. So I feel like in the past, if you were on a record label, they were pushing you. Well, now everybody's pushing their own stuff. So it's really, uh, I feel like, hard to cut through the noise to reach new new ears. Um, so it, the, the game has changed a lot, and I'm still figuring it out. But uh, yeah, with Spotify and, and Apple Music and streaming becoming so so popular and the ease of putting that on there as an artist, it, it, it becomes kind of hard to cut through that. What have you found with your music? Because I know that Lexington in this area was a very safe area for you, but then you ventured out and, and you're going now to all different states and different mm -hmm. areas to play. What do you find from people about your music? It's a, it's a learning process because you do get kind of comfortable around here and people supporting you and friends and mm -hmm. family members coming out. And so when you go to a place and you might know one person there um, and then everybody else is kind of judging you, you see that you hit that first note and everybody's looking at you like, what do you got? And so it, it, it kind of makes you, I always go into like a fight or flight type of thing. And um, I think some of like competitiveness from sports mm -hmm. and, and stuff comes out. So you, you're like, okay, here I am. And <laughs> so I usually find myself on, on that side of it. But there have been times where I've gone places and people haven't received it well. And that kind of hurts your, your ego. But you have to remember there's 7 billion people or whatever on, on the earth and not everybody's going to like your music. Yeah. Um, and so that's a hard thing to understand as somebody that likes I like for people to like me um, and not it's not going to be for everybody. Do you have a place that you play that's outside of the state that you've just fallen in love with and you want to play there more and more? Yeah um, I've been fortunate to play Eddie's Attic um, in Decatur Georgia twice it's one of the best listening rooms um, I've ever been to um, and then also there's some random spots there's a, there's a place uh, in Waynesville North Carolina which is about 30 miles outside of Asheville and it's called The Gym. It's under a brewery. And uh, they're some of the nicest people I've ever met. And we'll go back there as long as we can. We're going back in March, actually. So. That's so cool. Now, I know you've kind of um, tried your hand at Nashville, and, and eventually you're going to kind of make your way to live down there. What's that like? Because that seems incredibly intimidating. It's very intimidating. Um, I, of course, like many people, when I started playing music, thought about just going full-time down there and, and working that scene. And that works for a lot of people. I just found that it made more sense and felt more natural to be here. And so now I'm kind of approaching Nashville with a little bit of experience under my belt, which I think helps. You can get in some doors easier than if you have nothing, no experience, just like finding a job. Sure. Um, but it's, it's an intimidating city and an expensive one, too. And so that's as far as living there. Um, but most of the, the industry is still there. Um, you can do so much on your own now, but still distribution and public relations and um, booking, um, all those big agencies are still there, um, and they're still a big part of success. How do you get noticed in all of that? Because, I mean, for every one of you that's moving down there, there's 10, 20 more thinking the same thing. So how do you get noticed in all of that? I think my approach is, is one that uh, I think of Steve Earle um, who said, um, get your ticket and, or get your number and don't get out of line. And so it's basically, my goal is just to stick around. <laughs> so it's just being um, adaptable and figuring out different ways to um, operate at the income level that I need to, to, to be able to do music full time. And so I've had to kind of change, you know, I might have to do more private parties or have to do a wedding every now and then to, um, to make ends meet to, to where I can keep the art going. And so that's really my goal is just to, to keep making art full time 
and hopefully at some point um, more and more people will take notice. Yeah. Greg Austin, he's somebody yeah. that seems like he has been, I don't know, a mentor is the right word to say, but I know you've written a couple of things with him, I think. Am I making that up? I but covered one of his songs. Covered one of his yeah. songs. Somewhere Talk to me just about that relationship. So I, I met Greg um, when he was opening for Sunday Best at Redmond's and was very captivated by him. He had this cool stage presence. He had a big trench coat and glasses and cowboy hat and smoke would come out and it was like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. He's an older guy. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, I like Chris Christofferson and Willie Nelson. He's definitely got that Texas um, style of just singer-songwriter, uh, true and honest lyrics. Um, and then when Redmond's closed, he came over to Henry Clay's and started opening up there on weekends. And so I would come in early and chat with him, and then eventually we'd start getting on stage with him some. And, uh, yeah, he was a really good mentor, and he would stick around and hear a few songs and offer up some advice. I mean, as somebody that has 50-plus years of playing music full-time under his belt, and that's stuff you want to take with some weight. Um, so definitely appreciate Greg, and then got to cover one of his songs on our last album, uh, Somewhere in Kentucky. Um, which is a special song for me and one that people request. It's a great often. song. Do you find that people in the business have been, I mean, I know, I know everybody is competing because they want, obviously, to do well themselves, but do you find that everyone's been, you know, helpful or um, easy to get along with kind of in the business, especially those of you that are just trying to make it? Yeah, I think everybody's super supportive, at least, at least around here. Um, and uh, several of the folks I've met in Nashville have been super helpful. I think that's a misconception I had is that it's so competitive down there nobody wants to help anybody but I think everybody sees the value that if we all come up together um, we're gonna have a lot more power behind us mm-hmm. and I've, I've definitely seen that with the Kentucky scene as like Tyler Childers has gotten a big break obviously and just on doing crazy things he's taken several people with him from the Kentucky scene um, and so again everybody's trying to get um, to work for the same thing we can all share the same fans um, and do shows together, and it's going to be a lot more successful. Yeah. Grayson, is there a time that was like your most embarrassing moment on stage? Oh, man. Um, I, I say that because I'm like, maybe I'll jinx it. Maybe he hasn't had one, and then I'll cause you to have one. No. Um, the second gig I ever played was the Dieselholic Truck Fest in Muhlenberg County. Oh, boy. And that was a rowdy bunch. It was fun. But I showed up, and it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and plugged my guitar in, hit the first few chords, and my guitar went dead and started making this horrible hissing sound. It's the first song, first out of the gate. It had dead batteries. Unbeknownst to me, you have to replace the batteries in acoustic guitars for the pickups. Um, so that was the second gig, and so it was a big 30-minute delay to get my friend to drive some batteries out to me. That was pretty embarrassing. Because um, it's at home, too, right? Yeah, I know everybody yeah. there, and it's mm. like... You're obviously nervous because it's your first yeah. show, and it's like the thing that could, the worst thing that could happen happened, you know. Um, but other than that, I've I've forgotten lyrics a few times, but um, been pretty good about that for the last couple years, and learned to pull it off if I did forget lyrics too. If you can just sing the melody, especially <laughs> if they're drunk people, they're not yes, going to notice. Yes, you'll hope they so. don't know. I know one that should be considered one of your most embarrassing <laughs> is a time when someone sitting at this table with you, you allowed them me to come on stage to play what I thought was the tambourine and I realized that I don't really know much about playing the tambourine. It's and, a hard uh, instrument. <laughs> so that should be one of your no, most embarrassing moments. I've, I've talked to my people and tried to get them to get you back up on stage and yeah, well, to no avail. Apparently you don't beat your leg with it because that hurts really bad and I had a bruise. And so it I, bruises. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a tricky instrument. You did not go into this completely blind it doesn't sound like you've really put a lot of thought in preparation and planning but what's something that going in 
in that you have learned now that you never expected sort of in the business or in music? I just thought like kind of as a dreamer that things would happen quickly. Um, and so that's something I've learned is especially with, you know, when you see somebody win best new artist, they've been doing that for 15 years, you know? And so that's something I've kind of had to temper is uh, and learn a little bit more patience because I'm just like the type of person that would prefer to just work my tail off and get there quickly. Um, but it's not going to work like that, uh, no matter how hard I beat my head against the wall. Um, so patience, I think, is the thing that definitely right now I'm still trying to work on and um, just let things happen as they should and just try to make good art. And yeah. that's, that's the number one goal. You've been able to play with a lot of different people. Um, is there someone that's like on your bucket list, like, man, if they would let me come on stage with them or take me out on tour with them would be your ultimate? Oh, man, I'm a huge Sturgill uh, Simpson fan. Um, got to open up for, or not open up, we played on a festival bill with John Prine last summer. He's top top artist for me, songwriter, yeah. so that was cool. Um, Jason Isbell, um, Tyler Childers would be awesome. He's killer. Um, I don't know. That's that's a good question. Willie Nelson's still living and, and playing all the time. So He's getting ready to come to uh, EKU. Is he? Yeah. At the, yeah. Uh, Soon center. at the EKU Center for the Arts, so that would be pretty cool. Cool. See if we can pass your name along. Yeah, I'll try to get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find yourself now, you've been at this sort of long enough, that people that are wanting to do what you're doing are coming to you and asking you for advice? Yeah. And is that, that cool? Is that weird? It makes me feel old. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah. it's like for, I feel like I had a nice period there where I was the young young guy and people say, oh, you got all kinds of time. You're, and I still feel like I do, but now there are, you know, 20-year-olds and 22-year-olds coming to me and asking, you know, how did you make the transition doing this full-time asking questions about making albums and touring and, and things like that. So I love being in that position. And I have a few um, younger uh, artists who I, who I talk with on a frequent basis. And like Greg helped me and, and Nick and Chris from Sunday Best have helped me. Um, it's nice to kind of give back to some of those people. And, um, and it's fun for me to stop thinking about my own musical path and try to help somebody else too. Sure. I love to know how songs get written, where the idea comes from. So tell me about some of your songs that have you, that you have written um, and where the idea of that song came from or how it came about. Let's talk about Whirl. Whirl, okay. Um, I wrote that one in, when I was had a student worker job on UK's campus, so I was wrote that song on company time um, at UK. But uh, I feel like I had heard that saying, give, give it a whirl, mm -hmm. several times, and then was driving in the car and thought of kind of the melody. And then when I got back to, to work that Monday, I, I wrote it on the computer. And it's about my sister and brother-in-law. Um, they've been together, grew up about a mile apart, and high school sweethearts and all that stuff. And I want to give you a whirl, spin you around, talk about I've always looked up to them. I feel like they're kind of an anomaly nowadays with relationships. And uh, so I wrote that song about them. It's become a pretty cool wedding song for a lot of folks, yeah. hasn't it? Which I think is, that's always, I think, says something about a song when it's chosen as something like that, when people want it to be their first dance song. That means a lot to me. And at any time I can make that work, if somebody asks me to play it at their wedding, mm -hmm. I try to schedule around it because I feel honored that somebody, because that's a big moment in somebody's life, and if they use my song that makes me feel 
awesome. So I think it's probably 20 or 25 weddings I've played it at. What about Downtown Devil? I'm a downtown devil. I get what I put in. That, that is, is my favorite. Really? Yeah, that's that's my favorite. I need to play that one more. Um, it's a fun one to play. It's about being 22 and drinking too much. That's <laughs> that, that one's not very <laughs> Plain deep. Plain and simple. I like drinking songs. I was actually um, trying to work on one on the way over here. I had a little melody in my head, but drinking songs are fun because I feel like there's um, there's weight behind them, but it's more just fun, I feel like, and, and sometimes it's nice to, to just write about going out with friends and yeah. throwing a few back. What I know, you know, when you write songs, they're kind of like all your babies, but do you have a favorite? Uh, I wrote Is it hard one. to choose? Yeah, I'm... I love lyrics, and so anytime I feel like lyrically I've progressed um, based on the people that I like and what I like. Um, Ghostly Heart was one that I was really proud of um, that I wrote. Um, but I think every songwriter's, not downfall, but drawback is that they um, they like the thing that they've written most recently. Um, so I don't see how some of these bands go out and they tour and play on the songs that they wrote 40 years ago yeah. and play them and with the same energy. And so th- that's a that's a skill. Um, that hopefully I can learn one day and hopefully people want to hear songs that I've written 30 years down the road. Sure. But, um, yeah, the, the the last one I wrote is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. It seems like one song that when we have seen you play um, here in the last couple of years that people, Atlantic City. Yeah. People uh, go nuts over that song. They love that song and um, some people thought that I wrote that song. Yeah. My, my grandfather uh, over Christmas asked me how I came up with that song. He thought I wrote it. Um, so I'm always quick to tell people that Bruce Springsteen wrote it. Um, but that's been a super good one, and it's definitely opened a few doors. I think it was a smart cover for us to pick to put on an album. and um, it, That and Somewhere in Kentucky were the two songs we covered on the mm-hmm. last album, and uh, mainly because we just loved them. And I think that came across in, in our delivery. I think both of those songs were perfect for you, and they also, um, they, they're kind of like two ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. but they really resonate with people kind of in the same way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Atlantic City's a good um, kind of bar or party song. I oh, feel yeah. like people get into it, and it's kind of anthematic a mm-hmm. little bit, too. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a fun one to hear people singing. What would you say to folks who are, you know, kind of out there, they're kicking around the bar scene, or they think they might want to do this? What's the one piece of advice you give them? I would say um, have goals, have an, have an end goal in mind, because I know myself for a while, looking back, I feel like I spent a couple years just kind of running around aimlessly, just flying by the seat of my pants, doing whatever was right at the moment. But I feel like once I started setting, you know, six-month goals and, and one-year goals and five-year goals, um, things started to click a little more and things made a little more sense. Of course, like I've said, I'm type A, so mm-hmm. I like to have a plan. But other than that, I think if you're trying to write your own music, it's it's right as much as you can, even if you're not inspired at that moment. Because um, I've found several times if I sit down and just start free writing mm-hmm. that most often I'm going to come up with a song or part of a song just through the discipline of, of actually writing as opposed to, well, I'm not really that inspired. I'll just watch TV. Um, so making a conscious effort to, to practice your instrument but also to, to write. What's next for Grayson Jenkins? I've got a lot of songs written kind of in the hopper and uh, got some plans to record this year. And uh, I've got several, like over the past couple months, I've become really inspired and energized by what I want to do um, so hopefully a country album, a bluegrass-type album, and then maybe an acoustic album wow. within the next couple of years. That's that's the goal. Um, but just keep writing and, 
and, uh, and trying to hustle. That's awesome. This podcast is called Uniquely Kentucky, and one of the things that I always ask my guests is what you think makes Kentucky so unique. I was, when you sent that question beforehand, um, I was thinking about several different things, but it, it just seems like Kentucky has a charm about it and the people and the variety across the state, um, especially getting to travel and go to a lot of bars and social hubs in small towns around Kentucky. I've been to, if not every, all 120 counties close um, through my former job in music. It just, I've met so many good people. Um, who maybe don't have a lot of money in the bank, some do, but um, I've had good experiences with all those people and, and they have a certain type of charm. Um, and also I think just the fact that when people come to Kentucky, they don't want to leave. It just uh, kind of draws you in and um, the landscape, obviously. Um, I'm from Western Kentucky, very flat out there. There are some hollers, but the more time I've spent in Eastern Kentucky, it's some of the most beautiful stuff I've seen anywhere that I've traveled. And something else I always ask everyone, books, those are important to me. So I just like to know from my guests, sometimes people are big readers, sometimes they're not. Is there a book that has been important to you over the years? Or do you read? Do you get time to read? I don't know. You're traveling around, you're writing, you're singing. Do you get time to read? Yeah, I, I definitely read a lot more. It seems like um, November, um, December, and January are my reading months because there's not as much going on. Mm -hmm. If I'm home for the holidays, I tend to find more time to read. Not to escape family, but maybe to escape <laughs> sometimes. So um, I read Todd Snyder's um, autobiography. He's a singer-songwriter. Um, it's never never met a story I didn't like, I think. Um, but it kind of energized me as an artist um, because it's really easy to, to get down um, when you're trying to be patient for a big break or anything, and it's easy to get caught up in commercial success. But his um, book kind of refocused me on my duty as an artist is to write and to be creative and to put out music that's going to affect people. And so anytime I can keep that in mind, um, I feel a little bit better about what I'm doing. Tell folks if they want to um, learn more about you or they want to catch where some of your shows are going to be, how do people find you? GraysonJenkins.com. Um, I, I am my own management team, so I manage my own website. So I'm sorry if you go on the website and something's wrong with it, but I try to keep up with it. <laughs> So I keep all my dates there. There's links to socials, but I'm on Instagram and, and Facebook and all that stuff too. Um, try to keep it all pretty up to date. Good deal. Grayson, you are, um, I'm sure, making your mom and pops happy, but you've made a lot of those of us that are friends of yours very happy. We're so proud of you, and we can't wait to see, I don't know, how many more albums are coming from you, but we appreciate you putting out great music and just kicking it around and, and sticking with it. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Folks, if you ever get a chance to go see Grayson Jenkins, take my word, go and check him out. This has been another edition of Uniquely Kentucky. I'm Amber Philpott. Until next time, I'll see you on the news on WKYT.